Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network. And we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five star review so that we can reach more people. Thanks so much. Hello, and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie, and we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. We're really excited to dish and spill the tea. Super duper excited because we are talking about Eternals today. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has delivered a glorious gift to us in the movie Eternals. Okay, so I have been looking forward to this movie for such a long time, and I'm really excited to talk about it. So pumped. And oh, I came with all the notes, let me tell you. So. Me, oh, I have, yeah, I have a lot of notes, a lot of <laughs> thoughts. Eternals has a really awesome ensemble cast, including Jim and Chan as Cersei, Richard Madden, yum, yum as Icarus, Kumail Nanjiani as Kingo, Kit Harrington as Dane Whitman, Salma Hayek as Ajak, Angelina Jolie as Thena, Leah McHugh as Sprite, Brian Tyree Henry as Fastos, Lauren Ridloff as Makari, Barry Kagan as Druig. Don Lee as Gilgamesh and Harish Patel as Karun, who is Kingo's manager and so funny. <laughs> okay. He did not miss a beat. No, it was just, it was so good with all yep. the, okay, we'll get into that in the tea, but um, okay. So the film Eternals is about an immortal alien race that emerged from hiding after thousands of years to protect the earth from their evil counterparts, the deviants. So before we jump into the plot of, or the, the tea, if we will, in the tea, yes. On the Eternals, you have to understand their backstory and how they were created. They were created by the Celestials, which is a powerful cosmic being created by the first firmament, which is the first universe. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting like this view into how the Marvel cinematic universe was created at its very, like the very beginning fiber of what it is. Correct. Correct. So the celestial's purpose is to create new universes. And in this case, the Marvel universe, Erisham mm -hmm. is a celestial. Erisham created the deviants and the eternals. The reason he created the eternals was because the deviants became a more evolved species and became like way too troublesome. So the eternals yeah. were created to get rid of the deviants. The eternals were under the impression that their mission per Erisham was to protect the people on earth from the deviants. Yeah. So that life could flourish and develop. Exactly. So the deviants are an ancient race of monstrous predators that wipe out all life forms on each planet that they inhabit. So the Eternals were under the impression that the mission that they were given per Erisham was to protect the people of Earth from the deviants and to not interfere with human conflict. So here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. We are talking spoilers. We've seen the movie. We're talking about everything in the movie from the very beginning to the very, very end and end after all the credits are done. So if you have not seen the Eternals, go to the movie theater immediately and watch this movie. You will not be sorry. Okay, Julie, spill it. Okay, so what the Eternals were actually doing and not in the know of was they were protecting a celestial on Earth called Tiamat that is basically buried in the Earth's core. 
Yeah. It incubates inside of the earth's core until it becomes fully grown. And it's like sucking the life out of all of human life until it's full grown and emerges from earth and destroys the planet. Correct. So for every celestial born, which takes give or take 7,000 years, so is a new universe. The celestials see this as evolution and the eternals see this as universal genocide. You put us on this planet to get these humans acclimated to society and grow and evolve as a, you know, as a society only to have them killed. It's kind of counterproductive. It's like, okay, we need another universe, but let's destroy this one. It's like, how does that make any sense? Like, right. Because for every one celestial, like it's creating another Arishim to create more universes. So you're right. It's counterproductive. It's like, don't we have enough universes? Right. (laughs) We're good with universes. Stop killing people. Like I said, prior, the the Eternals find this out in like the 11th hour T minus or give or take T minus, you know, five days before Mm -hmm. what they're calling the emergence is supposed to happen, which is Tiamat's birth. Yeah. You know, which uh, I know, I know. (laughs) And the Eternals or give or take a handful of them are determined to stop Tiamat from being born. The Eternals are determined to stop the emergence from happening. Icarus, Richard Madden's character, was in the know about this for quite some time. Chose not to tell any of his Eternal buddies because he agreed with the ideology that goes with the Celestials. And he was just going to let this happen. In the 11th hour, (laughs) the handful of Eternals that realized that he was in, in on this do everything in their power to stop him. I definitely was not expecting Icarus to be a bad guy. Were you? No, not at all. It was, it was such an emotional journey. There were so many emotional journeys that we went on. And when he, that moment of betrayal happened, Lena, she just said out loud, she's like, I had such high hopes for him. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Me too. You know, cause he's just, okay. When he first comes on the scene or comes kind of back on the scene where the deviant is in London and Cersei and Dane and Sprite are on the street. And he comes like he emerges from the dark. I'm like, mm, my boyfriend's back. He's going to save my reputation. Like I was like, yes, he's back. Freaking kick Dane to the curb. Like yum, yum, yum. And then he <laughs> turns into be a bad guy. But I kind of like how not everyone is like completely bad or completely good, except for maybe Cersei. Like she's very, mm-hmm. you know, pure. But yeah, did not expect Icarus to be the bad guy. That was a really interesting turn like you could see something weighing on him and obviously we knew like he left Cersei and didn't come back Mm -hmm. why still don't understand why well he couldn't he didn't want he said he didn't want to just spend his life like lying to her he couldn't take it anymore like looking her in the eyes and knowing this world that she loves so much is going to be destroyed because from the very beginning when she first gets there she's the one who gives that dagger to the boy and like she like loves these people Mm-hmm. Eventually, Ajax felt the same way. It took her a little bit longer to have a heart. <laughs> and although I feel like her reasoning, it was the same as Cersei's. I'm like, well, why did it take you so long to think that? I mean, she was a person so full of love. And I think, you know, perhaps it takes a while to kind of break out of that mold, being under Erishim's control. Like mm-hmm. I have been, you know, basically his pawn or like I guess, kind of his child, like doing what he wants me to do for so long to break out of that might seem, you know, 
might be hard to kind of break out of that might take thousands of years, I guess. I think Cersei not having any of those memories of of doing this before just has come like open-hearted and, you know, she's just full of love. I also think it was the, the blip that she references that made her see the good in humanity and that they were people worth saving. She referenced yeah. that. And I was like, oh, good point. Okay. True. So that's what yeah. it took. They saved half the planet. The Avengers. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. But my money was on Druig for being the bad guy for sure. And I feel like it was too obvious, but like, I see why you would think that. Yeah. And it was, again, I think they, in the trailers, they kind of set him up to have that appeal. Yeah. You see the, the humanity come out in him early on. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. Jury's still out on you. And then at the very end, I was like, oh no, he was a good guy. Okay. I never pegged him as the bad guy because he was like, look at all this pain and suffering. I could stop this. And it was physically painful for him to not do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I saw him as like a rebellious type, but definitely not the bad guy. You're supposed to think that the bad guys are the deviants and you're thinking it's going to be the deviant that starts to develop more. And like, yeah. has like this conscious, you think it's going to be that person. And even then it's not, and it's not, and it's, it's such a surprise. It's, it's very interesting how conflicted Icarus was, mm-hmm. you know, to have like this purpose to be born with this purpose, but then to also love this family that you're given, you know, that's gotta be a really hard place to be you kind of feel, you know, torn. And I'm thinking, I know he flew to the sun and died, but like, okay. Not everybody dies when it looks like they're dying. And if Loki can be redeemed, so can Icarus. I'm just, I'm just holding out. Oh, them. I'm counting on Erishim bringing back a new Ajax, a new Icarus and a new uh, Gilgamesh to help support the Eternals once he reads their memories and sees that they're mm. a redeeming species that can live. Yeah. Has those three reborn, brought to the planet and conditioned to you know help the eternals the way that they're supposed to they gotta bring my boo back i know i gotta bring him back i love richard madden so much like he's i was not okay after the the red wedding when he died i'm like i just red wedding i mean like game of thrones oh yes 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 i was like that wasn't in there no 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 i'm not i never find when someone kills richard madden stop doing that (laughs) Let or him in his defense, he's like, I'm really good at dying. Have you seen my work in, in Game of Thrones? Yeah. <laughs> you know? He's just I'm like, oh, he's just so beautiful. That one little wave of white hair that's like mm-hmm. natural. I'm like, you have to stop. You're destroying ovaries everywhere. They're just exploding <laughs> yeah. spontaneously. I was very surprised when Icarus goes to Cersei after Ajax, like tell her that you love her. And you think it's just going to be like this kiss. And then you're like, oh, we're getting like a full love scene. This is the first time the MCU has done this. I couldn't believe it was happening. So I wasn't even enjoying it as much as I should have been. So I was like, (laughs) what? And it was just so beautiful and romantic. And, you know, I love romance. So this was just like filling that void that I feel like for me as a viewer is missing in the MCU. But good golly, that was a great scene. I didn't want to spoil it for you. I read about it (laughs) two weeks ago because I guess Richard Madden and Gemma Chan are really good friends. And when this uh, intimacy scene happened, they were just going on about there's a certain level of trust and I trust him to, you know, make sure that 
I'm supported correctly in this environment. And I was like, oh, right in the feels. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have me. And it was done very tastefully. I would love for him to support me correctly in the right environment. If you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. um, yeah, I know. I was, I'm glad you didn't tell me. Cause I was like, <laughs> we were in the movie theater last night watching this. And I was like, <gasps> I like gasped out loud. I'm like, we're getting it. We're getting a love scene. And I was so happy. It was so romantic and just beautiful. And again, done very tastefully done very tastefully, but it was such a romantic movie. There's so many aspects emotionally. Like you see family, you see these connections, you see romance, you see pain, you see people trying to deal with their own humanity, man. It was just, I kind of wish there was more, more character development. I know we'll get more from the other movies. There's just such a deep well of story to be told with these characters. And I cannot wait, cannot wait to see it. Yeah. I loved their wedding. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was so pretty. So beautiful. And then everybody, like all the other Eternals, the family, they're Mm -hmm. like sitting there on the side, like so happy. (laughs) I loved it. It was just really sweet. How do you ever recover from that? Like being married in that way and being so in love for 5,000 years. And then she's just like, oh, he just left me. Like, wouldn't you go and try to find him? I'm surprised there isn't like some internal like tracking device, like internal. Hey, I can sense you. I can, they say that they can sense Ajax or they can sense other things, but y'all can't sense each other when you're married. I know. And to spend that long together. And then she just is like, he just left one day. I'd be like, if I was married to Richard Madden and he just like left one day, I would freaking hunt him down to the end of time. (laughs) Like you're going to be with me. I don't care. You married me. That's it. But I I feel like there's probably more story to tell there. I'm sure there is. I hope they tell it. So let me tell you how the 10 rings and the Eternals are tied into each other. So the end credit scene of Shang-Chi, where we see the Avengers talking to Shang-Chi and Katie over the 10 rings. And there's this beacon that's flashing that's within the the actual ring itself. Mm hmm. That was the signal that the emergence was happening. That like T minus five days from now, five, six days, Tiamat is going to be born. And nobody had, yeah, nobody had an idea. And they were like, well, that's not vibranium. That's not any alien tech I've seen. Uh, Well, we're going to find out. And we did. Yeah, because that's never happened in their lifetime. You know, thousands of years in the making. They They don't know what to make of it. Exactly. So, and I'm surprised Captain Marvel didn't know because she's been in space how long? Traveling to different universes. Same with the Guardians of the Galaxy. They've traveled all over. And granted, it's the Marvel universe. And it's so, only for de- like decades. It's not for thousands, like millennia. Like for, it's, you know, the Eternals. That's why they're called the Eternals because it's been so long. Right. But if you're just, you know, being born into that universe at a regular time, you don't know how it started. You've never seen that happen. So you have no clue as to what's going on. Okay. Can we talk about the end fight scene? Oh, so epic. Did you find any plot holes? I thought it was interesting that the deviant that became more human. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thena got her revenge for him killing Gilgamesh, but like, it just happened so fast. I thought there was going to be more there. Oh, okay. You know, I I just, I don't know. It just seemed like, oh, well, he's gone now. Okay. I feel like he could have been a a villain for like an entire movie, you know? Oh, okay. Not just that. I don't know. I thought it would be more of a threat. Okay. You know, and did they get all of them? I don't know. 
Right. What, what plot holes did you see? Well, at the end, when the Eternals are splitting up after they realize that Icarus is going to make sure that Tiamat is born, mm-hmm. Sprite and Kingo follow Icarus. You don't see Kingo at all in that fight scene. Kingo follows Icarus? Yeah. He's just like, I'm following you, boss. I only saw Sprite go after him when he left. No, it was Kingo and Karun, and they leave shortly after. And I thought we were going to see Kingo with Icarus and Sprite. And granted, Sprite and and Icarus are waiting for them at the site mm-hmm. to make sure nobody tries to stop this. But I vividly remember Kingo walking out shortly after. And I was like, where's he going to go? I thought he was going to be there with, you know, Sprite and Icarus. Oh, I didn't get that at all. I didn't, no? I didn't remember that happening. No. Okay. I just remember Sprite going, I'm going with you. Mm-hmm. And then they're gone. Okay. Yeah. Kingo just left right after. And like, you don't see him in the final fight scene at all. And then he just shows up when Sprite is now human. What? How did I miss this? I don't remember that at all. Okay. So after the final fight scene. No, I remember him after like being there and mm-hmm. like kind of taking over, but I don't remember him not being in the fight scene. He wasn't there at all. It was only Fastos. Was it Druig, Fina, and Cersei? What? And oh, and Makari, Icarus, and Sprite. Yeah, where the heck was he? Was he out making another Bollywood movie? Well, he, he's, he was like, let me live it up. I only have X amount of time left. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If it's worth can... seeing for a second time. I, I I encourage anyone who who's thinking it's not worthy. It is. It's definitely worth seeing for a second time, for sure. I feel like this movie could have been two movies. And I really feel like we needed a little bit more character development for each eternal. I do love how they spent a lot of time depicting the love story between Icarus and, and Cersei. Mm-hmm. But I, even that I feel like could be enriched more as well, because it makes sense why Icarus loves Cersei. She's so like full of love and she's kind and very giving of herself. And like Icarus, like he's gorgeous, obviously, but he's like kind of closed off and like very brooding. And it's because he's like holding on to the secret. I kind of want to see him like, well, why does she love him other than that? You know, I just, I had like more questions. And when he cries at the end and he says he's sorry and he doesn't stop her from stopping the emergence, Mm -hmm. that's like the first time where you really see his heart. And then he goes and flies into the freaking sun. We think he's dead. I was, I'm hoping that we'll, get another we'll get some kind of prequel but I don't think it's likely because they were very clear like they didn't interfere for thousands of years but I just feel like each character needed to be fleshed out a little bit more like Makari she's like kind of disappears till the end where she's just hanging out in the ship for years (laughs) and years and years by herself like why didn't she ever go and and talk to Druig who they totally have a thing they do like like what's happening there and then I want to know more about Dina and Gilgamesh like their relationship what was that like Mm -hmm. Um, you kind of don't know if it's just friends or if he loves her like I could tell he loves her but what kind of relationship was that like I just want to know more so that it feels like it has been thousands of years it didn't feel like thousands of years, felt like maybe hundreds, I don't know, maybe decades. Cause what does thousands of years really feel like, you mm-hmm. know, there's just so much more they could do and they probably will, but I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface on these characters. I hope um, they do a Disney plus series that gives that, that take that perspective. I would love that. I'm, I'm not hopeful for that because these are such big actors that right. a series is like, there's so many of them. 
just, I really could have used some more, but think a about lot it. more character development. If they do a Disney plus for Disney plus series based off the Eternals, like that for all different ones. Yeah. Yeah. In different places in time mm-hmm. to lead up to the second one. Oh, please give it to us. Like the second Ritty, movie, please. I would love that. So I felt fulfilled, but now that you shed that line, I was like, oh yeah, that could work. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I goes. want more. I'm greedy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the mid credit scene where we meet. Forget. Arrows. Okay. <laughs> we meet Eros. So Lena and I, we had heard the rumors and we saw that he was like on the cast list on Wikipedia. But when they like show him walking out of the hallway at the dark, we were like, our hands were moving. She's like, put her hand on my face. We were like squealing. Like I shed a tear. And then Harry Styles walks out. We're losing our minds. Like a couple of like teenage girls. Well, I'm not a teenage girl, but Lena's a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're going to his concert this month. I'm like, am I going to lose my mind at his concert too? <laughs> Like, is this who I am now? Like, I did not expect to fangirl that hard, but we were like, we couldn't even scream because we like lost our breath. Like, I'm so excited about his role in the MCU. Okay. So do you, what do you know about his role in the MCU? Okay. So I know that he's Star Fox and he can use a euphoria effect to cause a person to become infatuated with him, objects or people of his choosing simply to make he can make people become infatuated with him. So it's basically what Harry Styles has been doing to teenage girls everywhere for the last decade. That's who he's playing, Eros. So Thanos' <laughs> right. brother. So I know that he was born on Titan. Mm-hmm. And he's also an eternal. So he like has the longevity and the strength. Per Marvel, what his powers are mm-hmm. is he possesses the ability to stimulate the pleasure centers. Yes. Euphoria. Of people, yeah. Of people's brains causing a euphoric event. And as you see him walk in, you have an I, orgasm. Basically. I, I'm just <laughs> like, I will all, like up until this point, I always saw him as like the 14 year old from one direction. Mm-hmm. I know there's so much hype around Harry Styles and he, he's super talented. This isn't me discrediting him in any way. I just always, you know, because of my age bracket, you know, just pair him with this he's a baby okay he's very young kid who out of nowhere has so much swagger once you put him in the mcu well he's had swagger before that i think you probably just didn't notice it before then and that's the thing i've always like made this mental note like he's a kid he's a kid he's a kid he will always be a kid because of the this age difference i get the swagger now Oh my gosh. She has so much swagger at the Grammys. He wore this all like leather, like outfit, but with uh-huh. no shirt underneath. And I was like, sweet mother of God. Like he has so much sex appeal. And well, he's 27. That's no, not that much. Not. That's not much. Yeah. He's 27. No, he's 12. He, was? he is 12. He's he 27. 12. And he's da- he's dating I Olivia know. Wilde, who is the same age as me. And I'm very much love that. <laughs> I know. know. And that's the thing. My mindset was like, she's dating a minor, but he's a good one. <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's I how think I you, always mentally check it out. You old lady yourself a lot. You're I like, do. oh, my age bracket, you're younger than I am. And I'm like, I would totally date Harry Styles if I was single. I'm like, <laughs> absolutely. 100%. I will go on his yacht and wherever he wants. Yeah. I left there super, like I left the theater super jealous of Olivia Wilde. And I was like, just keep it like, good job, ma'am. 
He, yes, Good he job. He's like one of those people that's sexy. He does not even have to try. He just loses nope. it literally mm-hmm. like arrows. So somebody when in casting, <laughs> they know this already. And they're like, well, obviously it has to be Harry Styles because who makes people feel euphoric as soon as he walks in the room? Mm, okay. Harry Styles. Perfect imagine, casting. Just imagine being Harry Styles. He's like, this character really exists. This is me in a nutshell. Yeah. Where yeah. do I sign? Where do I sign? How do I do this? I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah. Eros is the Greek word for like, um, sexual love. Yes, absolutely. He's got it. He's like, I like love Yeah, about it. Sign me up. Yeah. Especially this kind. Also, did you know who the voice of Pip is? Yes, it was Patton Oswald. I knew it was similar. Okay. Yeah. And I can only imagine, you know, him coming home. He's like, so big news. (laughs) (laughs) I get to be in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. I get to be in the MCU as the token drunk elf. Yeah. Get excited. So nobody actually sees me. I'm completely CGI, but we're going to make this work. And I'm so excited to be here. And I can only imagine the the playful back and forth banter that happened between Patton Oswalt and Harry Styles. But I'm super excited for this next chapter of the MCU. Oh, man. It's I mean, they're making it so good. I mean, we're so sad when like some of the original Avengers like died they're helping us grieve. (laughs) We're over our grieving. Right. The mourning period is done. They sent in Harry Styles. They gave us Richard Madden. I don't, I'm just sensory. And Kit Harrington. Like, are you joking? That end scene here. So much hotties entering the universe. I can't, I can't handle it. I can't. I mean, Loki died. What? I don't care anymore. (laughs) Doesn't matter to me. He's dead. Whatever. I got Harry Styles now. So (laughs) I have healed. Yeah. Okay. So on to the second end credit scene. Yeah. The final end credit scene. Okay. You I know first. some things about this. Same. Go for it. Okay. So Dane Whitman, who is played by Kit Harrington, we see him at, in the final end credits opening a box with a sword in it. This sword is known as the ebony blade and is carried only by the black knight, revealing that Dane Whitman will be the next black knight. Okay, so at first I was pretty sure that it was Nick Fury's voice that we hear in the background, but as uh, I was investigating, I found out that it is most likely Mahershala Ali doing a voice only cameo as Blade because mm-hmm. he's going to be starring in his own film as Blade soon. That yeah. drove Melinda and I nuts. We were like, who's that voice? Oh my gosh. So yes. Yeah, I totally thought it was Nick Fury. It's likely Mahershala Ali. Okay, so the lineage of the Black Knight, it dates back to medieval times. The ebony blade has been passed down through the years, and each man who has been in possession of it was driven mad by the sword and eventually had to be killed. This blade was carved from a meteor and imbued with magic by Merlin himself, which totally makes Dane's wizard reference earlier in the movie like pretty funny because he it like does, knows all about right? wizards. <laughs> and then the blade was cursed due to all the blood that was shed when it was used by Sir Percy. So Dane's hesitation to pick it up when he's like shaking and like sweating, like it's understandable now, but I hear that Dr. Strange might be able to help Dane with the whole blood curse situation. Oh, that would be a good transition. Yeah. So that's what it says in the, the comic books that Dr. Strange helps him undo the curse so that it doesn't like drive him mad and like make him crazy. But there's so many comic books for the black Knight. There is so much that they're going to do with this. Yes, because what I read from the comics 
mm-hmm. is that he eventually uses the blade against Kang the Conqueror. Holy So we could of... see this translate in yes. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Mm-hmm. We could see that come to pass because you go Spider-Man in December, Morbius comes out in January, Doctor Strange, I know got pushed back a little, but that timeline checks out. So then when Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania happens, we could see the evolution of Thane Whitman, aka the Black Knight, come to pass, going to battle with uh, King the Conqueror. Oh, it's going to be epic. Do you yes. think he's going to get his own movie? Oh, that'd be really good. The Black Knight? I hope so. I just love that he was the Night Watch and now he's the Black Knight. Yeah. <laughs> you know nothing, Jon Snow. I'm like, I know something. Those curls right. that he's got, mm, he is just so cute. Right. But I thought everything was tied in very well as a way to introduce him. And now you want it to work out between him and Cersei. Like, oh, he's going to be here for a while. He's not dying because he has like that longevity too with becoming the Black Knight. He's not going to, he becomes a little more, little less mortal, if you will. I don't know. It's a great love triangle. I love me a good love triangle. Like lucky Cersei. Can you, I can't. Right. I just can't like between the Stark brothers, that triangle, it's lucky lady. Yep. And you know, she was giving me a lot of like Claire Fraser vibes. Like her accent is so perfectly mm-hmm. just demure, like that perfect, like English accent. Like she's just so elegant. And it just reminded me of Claire's accent. I mean, like I if you close your was, eyes, you could see her. She was very soft and dainty and, and elegant. Yeah, Absolutely. And even the way she used her powers would take something hard and brutal and make it soft and beautiful. So it can't hurt anyone. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. an amazing power. It I is. love that. And we need to know more about this tree thing. She turned a deviant into a tree, right? She's like, I don't know how I did that. I'm like, dude, no one's going to explain this to us, but maybe we'll find out. I think it helped explain or translate how powerful she actually is when she went to go stop Tiamat. Yeah. But she didn't turn him into a tree though. She turned him, no. she froze him. Huge a, block of ice. Yeah, which, she froze him into a, you know, iceberg right ahead. Yeah, but that goes against what her power typically is from turning something hard to soft. She turned something from hard to harder. Yeah, like she didn't, <laughs> yeah. yeah. She That's was like, the, I got nothing. I don't know yeah, how something, I did Into it. something into solid, yeah. Yeah. Because when she was explaining her, her power, she's like, I turned a rock into sand. I turned it into water. I even <laughs> right. once turned it into air, but never was it something like, you know, more solid. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny when she, when that earthquake happened in the classroom and that ar- artifact that she turned into sand, I was like, that was probably like really expensive. Right. What is that doing? Or in like, the classroom? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Ugh. that was probably like a very valuable piece of like history, but you know, she turned it in sand. It's fine. It's gone. Bye-bye. Right. <laughs> Overall loved this movie so mm-hmm. much. We had action, romance, humor, beautiful sets, beautiful costumes. It was very immersive, very experiential. And so much inclusion, our first deaf action hero, the first outwardly gay action hero, just a very epic film. I mean, October, 2023, we're getting the next one. Yeah. Counting down the days. Yep. Counting down the days. Was it everything that you hoped for? It was, it was when I, I mean, I was seeing the, the reviews ahead of time. That trailer does not translate to bad movie at all. No, with this huge ensemble cast to begin with. Not once did I think their storylines, I didn't think any of the storylines were complicated. They were very fluid, easy to follow. Yeah. I was engaged the whole time. Nasty rumors and bad reviews go somewhere else. Yeah. Haters back off. 
Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not here for it. Yeah. I mean, even like Angelina Jolie, how her character dealing with mad weary, that, Mm -hmm. that that brain condition and how like loving everyone was towards her. Like everybody had something going on and it was just beautifully woven together and you just want more. That doesn't, Mm -hmm. that doesn't say bad movie. That means, oh, please give us more of this world. Loved it. Made us so excited. Those end credit scenes were everything. Yeah. I, we were just, me and Lena were just like so full of energy leaving the movie theater at like midnight. We're like, that's was so good. We were like, <laughs> we can't wait. Yes. Amazing. Loved it. And now it is time for the fangirl spotlight of the week. We love sharing and supporting small businesses. We use the fangirl spotlight of the week to do just that. We give a free 30 to 60 second ad spot on our podcast for a simple social media exchange. It's basically we share you and you share us during the week that your ad runs in our episode. As you know, we are also a small business, but we are a part of a rapidly expanding Believe Podcast Network with over 400 podcasts and millions of listeners. We want to shine a spotlight on your small business, so email us for info at thefangirlspodcast at yahoo.com. Catch up on all that the Fangirls Podcast is doing on our website. You can listen to our latest episodes, read our blog, and connect with us. We love hearing from our fellow fangirls and fan guys, so subscribe to our blog. All the info will be in the show notes. The Fangirls podcast is now on Etsy. Our shop has a variety of original custom-made fandom-inspired artwork in digital download form. We are offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. The link to our store and all the info will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear all of our latest episodes. We want to answer your burning questions. So give us a follow on Instagram at the fangirls podcast and Twitter at the underscore fan underscore girls and like our community page on Facebook to join the conversation. See you next time. See you next time. We here at the fangirls podcast are not affiliated with the following. The MCU, Marvel, Marvel Studios, or Disney. Or Disney Plus. Oh, or Disney Plus. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.